Welcome. I'm Tom DeCord, an education consultant and speaker based in Boston, Massachusetts. And in this podcast series, we'll be exploring the impact of technological and societal accelerations on schooling and pedagogies. Thanks for joining. So the grim and deadly coronavirus has thrust us into this environment of remote teaching and learning. Students are stuck at home and educators and school administrators are left rethinking the role of technology and teaching and learning. In a flash, even the most recalcitrant technology adapter is figuring out Zoom or some other video conferencing platform and wondering how they're going to manage their course online. There are many progressive educators that uh, hope that this proliferation of remote teaching and learning will lead to a surge of innovation in classroom practice. More specifically, they hope that teachers will leverage technology as a way of nurturing active learning environments. In other words, students will be using technology to think through problems, they'll be communicating their ideas, they'll be collaborating with others, they'll create multimedia content that will be a representation of their understanding and hopefully mastery of curriculum content, and they'll be sharing that knowledge with uh, a public authentic audience. So in short, they're hoping that students will gain more control over the learning process. If there's a silver lining for education in this global pandemic, it is this enormous opportunity that we have now to rethink the student learning process. The question becomes, will we take advantage of this opportunity or not? I have my reservations and I'll speak to those in a few minutes. But first, let's try to gauge where teachers are right now. So many teachers are at what I term level one of remote teaching adaptation. These teachers are focusing primarily on a video conferencing platform like Zoom or Google Meet. And what they're trying to do, of course, is to be able to create a synchronous environment where they can see their students live, where they can hear them, and where they can sort of teach in uh, the strict sense of imparting knowledge or imparting information to students, but also, of course, converse with them and with the Socrative method, have discussion, have dialogue. I think at a more psychological level, what they're trying to do is to is to cling to some of the certainty and familiarity of the physical classroom. Now that that's been torn down, many teachers are fervently trying to construct a similar environment online. It makes much sense in a time of great change of great uncertainty that uh, teachers and others would sort of cling to a fundamental remnant of the past. Now, I make that psychological distinction here because I, I feel that if teachers believe that they can successfully, quote unquote, recreate their classrooms online, in other words, if they see this transition as a continuation and not as an opportunity for renewal or growth, they're not going to rethink student learning. So they might be immersed in this novel environment where for some they've never been before. But if they see 
the online learning as a continuation of the learning that took place in the physical classroom, then they're simply going to eval evaluate technology in terms of the efficiency it brings to what they have always done and then may not be looking at it as an opportunity to rethink what they've always done. A middle school teacher said to me recently, hey, coronavirus is not going to last 10 years. This is just an interruption. So it was clear that to him they were going to be going back into the classroom, so go back into that familiar physical environment, and that teaching would get back, or teaching and learning would get back to quote-unquote normal, the way it had always been. So why expend time and energy when this is just a temporary phase? If true innovation is going to occur, teachers have to want to implement the change. They have to feel that the change is appropriate. They have to feel that it's, it's promising and that they can manage it. So we have many obstacles when it comes to engendering an environment where innovation will actually take place. That said, there are already signs of hope. A lot of teachers are now entering into level two of tech integration. And in level two, they're quickly recognizing that students can't be expected to sit after hour after hour in a video conferencing room. As a result, they're starting to think about how to construct experiences where students are learning more on their own. So at a pragmatic level, this has resulted in thousands of educators signing up for how-to webinars, how-to screencast, how to create video, how to create audio, how to create podcast, how to create interactive slides or interactive text, interactive images. Now in level two, there's really two subsets. At a, at a more basic level, uh, teachers are looking to create content that they can simply deliver. So they could deliver a video, they could deliver a, a audio recording, they could deliver a slide to their students. But often in the process of learning how to construct multimedia content, they start to conjure up ideas about how students might be leveraging the technology so they could create performances of understanding. In other words, that they could demonstrate what they know, what they think, what they feel, what they understand using the multimedia. So in that process of learning how to with multimedia, often they're being introduced to these ideas or these examples where students are actually constructing their own knowledge and their own understanding. So when they do move beyond the fillable PDFs to environments where students are making videos or they're recording podcasts, the students are designing multimedia books or otherwise demonstrating learning, then these teachers are really in sort of a higher strata within the level two. And they're starting to make that transition to this ideal environment where students are taking more control over the learning process. And fortunately, it's not stopping there. There are teachers now at level three. And I would define level three as 
a teacher who is rethinking their model of instruction. They're actually looking at unifying frameworks that may be able to tie in their various instructional practices. So as teachers are creating environments whereby students are creating representations of their knowledge and hopefully their mastery of curriculum content by leveraging multimedia, they're recognizing there are frameworks for creating student-centric, inquiry-based, and independent learning spaces, learning environments. And I use that word learning spaces because, of course, we've moved outside of the, learn the physical classroom, and learning can happen anywhere at any time. So their teachers are recognizing that here's an opportunity for students to use technology as objects to think with. And I'm borrowing here from Mindstorms and Seymour Papert and this idea that uh, learning can happen with technology in an environment where we think of the technology as something that students use to learn, to think, to solve problems. So. Frameworks that engender problem solving and creativity align themselves well to technology integration. It's one of the reasons that uh, problem-based learning is a wonderful framework for tech integration because it's nurturing a skill set that involves using creativity to solve problems and hopefully will lead to innovative solutions or proposals. So for instance, joint projects designed to span multiple days or even multiple weeks, they can be completed by students remotely. There's a whole slew of collaborative technologies that will enable these students to work together. And they, of course, they can share their work with the teachers so the teachers can follow along and check and provide assistance and suggestions and recommendations as needed. So as teachers move into level three, uh, we hope that they're learning about how to foster environments that promote this application of student knowledge in these very student-centric, authentic, and, and hopefully challenging ways. But such a pedagogical transformation certainly won't be easy. Planning for remote learning is clearly very challenging and it requires educators to rethink many of those face-to-face -face processes that work effectively in a physical classroom in a live environment. And now teachers are being forced essentially to do this on the fly. So when it comes to lesson and project redesign, to collaboration, feedback, assessment, there are so many elements of teaching and learning that are going to look and feel different in an online remote environment, and it's going to take time. So innovation is not a revolution. It is an evolution. It's going to happen, I believe, but it's going to happen over time. One of my concerns is that we feel that since teachers are being exposed to technologies and arguably transformational technologies, that innovation will flow almost naturally from being in this environment. 
prolonged exposure to technology does not necessarily lead to innovation. I always think back to a study that was done by Harold Wenglinski, and it looked at the incorporation of technology in the math classroom between 1996 and 2011. So we're, we're looking at a span of 15 years. So during that period, Google was introduced in 1998. We had interactive whiteboards introduced into classrooms. Um, we had the introduction of Web 2.0. So we had blogs, we had wikis. We also had the introduction of one-to-one -one computing. And we had many schools and districts that were buying laptops. So in short, in 1996, the 34% of the students in this particular study said that they had used computers primarily for drill and practice, so primarily drill and kill. 15 years later, the numbers had gotten worse. Now, this particular study was focused at looking at disadvantaged populations, and it found that a whopping 52% of African-American students were using technology in drill and kill situations. So in short, it doesn't matter how powerful, how new, how shiny, or how seemingly transformable a technology might be. Teachers instinctively teach the way they've always taught. And they'll be looking at technology in terms of its proficiency in adding or enhancing what they've always done. So the missing component here is vision. Leadership is so, so important because unless we've been able to develop a galvanizing vision of how learning can be different when technology is introduced, uh, we don't necessarily have the buy-in from teachers. Yes, you might have those early adapters who have bought in already. You may have the Luddites who will never buy in, but the critical mass is in the middle. That's, your, that's the biggest group of your teachers who are somewhat skeptical, somewhat hesitant, and uh, need, amongst other things, a vision of why this is desirable. So here's a great opportunity for us to, for instance, rethink our balance of formative and summative assessments. We've been so reliant on summative assessment, but now as a result of coronavirus, there are no end-of-year tests. You don't have kids sitting in a gym uh, doing that end-of-year or end-of-semester examination that might even count at a high school level for 50% of the grade. Gone are even the unit tests as administ administering a unit test or an end-of-year test online is difficult. It's, it's, it's very difficult to stop any cheating. So if summative is gone in the way of end-of-year exam and unit tests, we have to look more closely at formative assessment. So here's a vision. Uh, here's, I'm sorry, here's an opportunity. Here's a chance for us to create a, a vision of, hey, there's a wealth of information that we can collect about student learning in this online environment. 
we have virtual classrooms where we can record student activities. We have writing environments where we can see the version history and all the changes that have been made to these environments. We have students who can create screencasts and explain to us what they're thinking and doing while they complete an assignment, a task. So we have this glorious opportunity here to understand our students better. We have such an exciting opportunity to be able to create this wealth, this repository, this wealth of information on how our students learn and how they feel or think as they're learning. We might even think about how we could unify this in perhaps digital portfolios and create portfolios of student learning during this process. So a vision here might be, hey, what a great opportunity for us to rethink and rebalance formative assessment versus summative assessment. What a great opportunity for us to get better, to get more knowledgeable about how to use formative assessment in essentially gauging student learning. So finally, there have been plenty of quote-unquote disruptive technologies that have been introduced in schools and districts over the last two decades. And many ed educators have hoped that teaching would be transformed by these technologies. Now, there are plenty of transformative practices going on in schools, but they're often pockets of excellence. And what's missing is systemic innovation, systemic change. So we have to be thinking now that no matter how powerful, how creative, how versatile any kind of device or tool that our teachers may start to be incorporating, they're not gonna change unless we can provide them with a motivating vision, a rationale, an idea of beneficial change and what that beneficial change looks like. So what I hope is that we can energize teachers and that we can all together formulate a new vision. So despite all the uncertainty and just the grim reality of the coronavirus, I do hope we can seize that proverbial silver lining and create that vision and reformulate a learning environment for our students. Like so many, I'm just trying to figure out where we are and where we're going. Would appreciate hearing from you and hear your feedback. Thank you for joining me.